My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and today I want to report back on my media diet. If you're just tuning in, you may want to go back to the last episode where I talked about the role of media in addressing climate change. If you don't believe me that what we see, hear, and read matters, then let's take a look at why climate activists are boycotting Facebook right now. Fake news, by which I mean stories created out of thin air, is on the rise and has soured a political discourse that was already ailing. Investigations by the U.S. Congress found that Russia used social media platforms, including Facebook, to spread targeted advertising and misinformation to help Donald Trump in the 2016 election. They did not look into whether these campaigns were instrumental in Trump's win, and for that I am still angry at Mark Warner, but very little has changed in the past four years, suggesting that the threat remains. Facebook and other social media companies have done a bad job policing and removing false statements. At the same time, they've done a phenomenal job letting these statements and misinformation spread. But recently, Facebook acknowledged that it's part of the problem and beefed up its efforts against outright lying on its platform. Well, good for them except they created an earth-sized loophole. Climate denialism would remain allowed because it would be considered opinion. Bill McKibben has written very nicely about what this means, but above all, why it's foolish for us as citizens to expect anything else from a company that makes its money by getting us to use its platform. As long as we log on, we are complicit. So climate activists have called on Facebook to change this policy and are putting their money where their mouths is, where their mouths are by canceling their ad budgets on Facebook until this policy is changed. So the media have a role to play in shutting down climate denial messages, but also in holding businesses and governments to account and even in providing visions of how a climate-neutral world could or should look. So far, it's fallen down on the job in a very big way. The Columbia Journalism Review released a great report last year together with The Nation on how to improve reporting. But we as consumers of media can shift from bad outlets in favor of better news sources. That's part of what I've spent the past two weeks doing. Specifically, I wanted to change my media diet so that I could get better climate information and also information that can help me act in a better way on protecting the climate. Specifically, I promised to cancel my Netflix account as part of a larger push to spend less time on stupid stuff and more time on long-term analysis And finally, to look at new media outlets that can maybe supplement my media diet, particularly because some of the outlets that I regularly go to are not so great at climate. Overall, the past two weeks have been a big success. So first, Netflix. I canceled my account and I've been queuing up a list of environmental documentaries that I want to watch with my newfound time. 
But the best moment was an email I recently got from Netflix telling me about a new travel series with teeny actor Zac Efron, who will be highlighting sustainable lifestyles around the world. This is, to me, a very good example of sustainability in the media by idiots. So that is a definite no. I'm very happy that I won't be getting that thrown in my face. Second, I've cut back on the Washington Post, which is where I get most of my news media coverage. It has really great coverage in some areas, but it's terrible on climate and sustainability issues. Instead, I've spent more time looking at Perspective Daily, an interesting one-a-day news and analysis outlet. And I have to say, easing up on my Trump's Outrage a Day reading was a real treat. I've given up Trump news several times before, actually, and it's always a good decision. This is somehow, it's a rut or routine that I get into. It's just easier to read an article about Trump because you don't need your whole brain. Most of it you already know, even without the news update. And with the time that I save there, I've made a point to read more on the climate crisis and its racial justice dimensions. It's nice to spend half an hour on a longer, more thoughtful piece than to hectically scan five or six quick updates on news that doesn't matter. And I think that's probably why I get into this Trump news routine, because I only need part of my brain, since he's always doing the same thing over and over again. When I'm in a hectic mode, it's easier to read that news than deeper analysis, where I need more of my brain power to really understand and think about it. And important here too, beyond spending the time to really think about the articles that I'm reading is devoting time and thought to decide what I want to read in the first place. And this is something I really want to stick with. Opening fewer articles from my newsletters, maybe even canceling one or two of the newsletters I subscribe to, and taking the time to read more fully from a more targeted media diet. I'm not completely convinced on Perspective Daily, though. I really like their approach of publishing one article per day, and a lot of their topics are very interesting. My favorite so far, or the most illuminating for me so far, was an investigation into the institutions dealing with asylum seekers in Germany five years after a huge wave of immigrants overwhelmed the system. I hadn't really thought much about the process of seeking asylum or the range of trained professionals from decision makers to transcriptionists, therapists to translators needed to evaluate each application. And insights from this article, including the fact that there aren't any full-time positions for translators, but translators are instead paid for as independent contractors, makes it difficult to find translators who speak the necessary language and German to the level necessary to help decision makers really understand the nuts and bolts of of their stories of asylum. So that was a really, really great article that I haven't seen anything similar to in in any other news outlet. But their recent series on the history of neoliberalism 
um, while comprehensive and very important to climate, wasn't really new for me. I kept thinking about Daniel Stedman Jones's Masters of the Universe, which is a great history of neoliberalism for anyone who wants to get up to speed on that. The highlight of my week, and also what's giving me hope this week, was Forest 404, an immersive eco-thriller by BBC Podcasts. I'm only maybe half done, but I've been devouring this series. And it's something that I've really been able to sink my teeth into because I'm not spending time on silly stuff. Ostensibly, the series is about a woman in the 24th century tasked with listening to audio files of the slow world. That's kind of our present day world and deciding what to delete. Then she listens to a clip of birdsong and her world turns upside down. Now, what makes this series so special is that each episode is really three pieces. The first piece is the story, the radio drama, I guess you could say. This is followed then by a talk with a scientist about an issue raised in the story. And then finally, there's a sound file of a bit of nature presented in the story. Now, I'm not totally on board with the story as a scientist and particularly as a thinker about the future, but it is a really interesting follow-up to the very problematic film, Transcendence. But what really makes this series so great is the way that it deals with nature sounds and their impacts on us as humans. This really makes it worth a listen. And I have to say, the, the clips of nature sounds, they're usually five or six minutes. And I find myself at the end of each being sad that it's over so soon. They are really immersive and they really build a connection to nature and remind me emotionally of why I'm fighting for a habitable planet in a way that no news stories I've read have done. So uh, yeah, really good stuff. And I guess I want to just finish by thinking about another writer um, who's been on my mind lately, Nick Hornby. So you might know him from About a Boy, Fever Pitch, all of his great, silly, funny novels. But he did a fantastic book review column in The Believer uh, several years ago now, and it was called Stuff I've Been Reading. The column wasn't even really about what he read, although he talked engagingly enough about the histories of music and rugby and soccer that he read. But really what made the column so amazing was that it was about spreading a philosophy of reading that comes down to this. There's so much amazing stuff out there to read, and everyone has her own taste. So read what you love and don't ever apologize for it. This is a philosophy that I want to bring more into my climate media diet. And I hope you do too. This podcast is a labor of love, and you can show me you care by telling me why you listen at lisa at myclimatediet.org. Thanks to David from Quentz for letting me use his wonderful music. And if you want to stay up to date, follow me on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. And don't forget to rate My Climate Diet on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find me and start their own climate diet. Because if everyone went on a climate diet, 
it wouldn't be the end of the world. <laughs>